0: As you can tell, the war against computers has started. You are now listening to Computers Bite Back, brought to you by Grebog and Malkor. Well, I'm Malkor. And I'm Greebug. So this time we're talking about power supplies. Woohoo! And I know most people think they know a decent amount. There is a easy, yeah, they're pretty easy to understand, but most people don't know how big of a supply they really need for a computer. And uh, do you have any words on studying this first?
1: It looks like there have been a lot of interesting developments in power supplies lately. They have some interesting features they've added to them, you know, since way back when it was a transformer in a box with a fan.
0: Well, there was also voltage regulators, and that gave you your DC, and that's about it. But yeah, now they've got the
1: pulse width modulating fans and modular cables and high efficiency components.
0: Well, that and also the uh, regulators they're putting in have uh, more features into them, like overcurrent, or, yeah. overcurrent protection, uh, also even heat protection, so that way if they overheat, they will shut off
1: not to mention adding extra rails so you can provide more current to the newer high power components in your computer
0: let's start talking about some of these features Um, the one that I always think is kinda interesting it's a little newer and they call it the 80 plus certification which by definition is just that it is an eighty percent efficient power supply um, which would mean twenty percent of the power would be lost in heat loss Um, it has to get to eighty percent or better before that it gets the certification. So how is it they achieve
1: that higher efficiency rate?
0: I would imagine by uh, better capacitors, better voltage regulators, or transistors, or, well, probably FETs on the inside, that uh, you lose less heat. Well, you lose less power through heat.
1: Well, and something, you know, the average user's probably going to be interested in is the fact that... uh, if you are able to reduce the temperature in your power supply, for example, with the higher efficiency or a better fan, uh, for every 10 degree reduction, it's roughly equivalent to doubling the lifespan of the power supply.
0: Yeah, that's why I think if you noticed, um, I'm not sure how many you looked at, but I saw like if it was a silver or gold 80 plus, typically they had a 5 year warranty or a 7 year warranty, which is pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, it's pretty decent. On the other hand, when you're looking at purchasing something like this, the really high-end efficiency power supplies are more expensive simply because they don't have the variety for a range of wattages and such. They only, just looking at you know your average bulk sale electronic component website, all I could find in the gold rating was 900 watts to 1100 watts, and they ranged anywhere from 150 dollars to 280.
0: Well, also something to think about when looking at the uh, certification like this is power supplies. They're rated for say a thousand watts. If they weren't the 80 plus certification, that means you're not actually getting the thousand watts out to your computer. You're losing a percentage of that in heat loss.
1: Especially depends on what that rating was achieved or what testing temperature that rating was achieved at. If they tested the power supply at room temperature then it's not
0: gonna get its rated power in a hot computer case. Well that and how people figure out their wattage of their power supply is different. Um, Like you said the testing there, some people look at it um, just by they tested each rail if it has multiple rails individually not all at one shot which means things could actually change when you load all the rails.
1: Well, and not only that, uh, it looks like various, uh, depending on which power supply you're looking at, the efficiency will be different depending on the percentage of load. Some of them are designed to get the peak perf- efficiency at 90% or 100% load, and others are designed for 50% load for maximum efficiency.
0: Well, the nice thing I saw on... Uh... Well, one of the parts sites, uh, you could buy the power supplies, and they actually put in how much at 25% load, 50% load, 75% load, and 100% load that the, uh, how much of it, of the wattage you were actually getting in efficiency. And that's convenient. Unfortunately not everyone has gone to putting all that information out there. I have seen some that just put at the different percentage of load what the efficiency was, which is still beneficial. And not only
1: that, a couple
0: percentages in
1: efficiency probably isn't going to make too terribly much of a difference in heat generation.
0: Now there's uh, four standards, well there's four different specifications on the 80 plus certification, you got the standard, which means they met the 80% efficiency. There's bronze, which is at 82% or higher, and then silver's 85%, and gold's at the 87% efficiency, So, which is cool. Literally. I'm wondering, um, and I heard rumors once upon a time that when they saw some of the power supplies hitting the gold standard already, that they might actually create a 90-plus certification for those that hit the 90% efficiency.
1: Yeah, but eventually you got to start hitting the peak on that. I mean, you can only make your components so efficient.
0: There's going to be some heat. Well, that's true, which is why I don't think it's happened yet. And I think if they actually do anything they'll probably just add another level to the 80 plus and maybe call it like platinum or something.
1: Yeah I can see them doing that. So another interesting feature they've got on these newer power supplies is pulse width modulation fan control.
0: I'm surprised they didn't put this in sooner honestly.
1: Well it probably has something to do with the fact that, you know, the more components they put inside the power supply, the more heat and the less airflow they're going to get. So it was probably a trade-off between how efficient the controllers and components were.
0: True. Um. Yeah. And just for those that don't know what pulse width modulation really means, or, yeah, typically you'll see it abbreviated PWM fan control or something like that. What it means is they can spin the fan a lot slower and mean it'll run quieter when it's slower. It's, yeah, it also helps reduce the heat because if the fan can run slower, it can be on earlier to keep the system from getting hotter sooner. And pretty much the way it works,
1: traditional fan control systems just turn the voltage up and down on the fan, basically like uh, a dimmer switch on your light bulb. What pulse width modulation does is actually turning the switch. It's just a switch that's on and off, but it turns it on and off really quickly at such a high frequency that to the motor, it looks like it's actually running at a slower speed. Or something
0: like that. Well, it has to do with the induction of the motor. Um, if people understand inductors, they would probably understand the induction wiring inside the motor would actually kind of add to the uh, well smooths out the waveform a little now one of the other features that a lot of the power supplies are starting to tote about is the modular uh, feature which basically just means you can connect only the cables that you need at the time now I have seen when I was uh, looking at power supplies a lot of them still have the main motherboard and Power, well, they have the motherboard connectors and sometimes even the uh, video card connectors as a uh, set cable, and it's only the other devices that you have to add or remove.
1: And I think the main reason they've got that hybrid setup where some of them are still permanently attached is the fact that the modular cables, you can see some uh, power loss across that connection there. So since your motherboard and your hard drive and your video card are normally pretty big power hogs, it helps save in power losses, and not to mention the fact that you probably aren't going to see a computer that doesn't have those connections in it.
0: Now, the benefit to having a modular power supply is the less cables you have inside there, the less that's going to obstruct airflow through the case, which is a benefit. Yep, helps you keep your computer cooler. Boy, we're just chucking through all these uh, different features. We're already on to the third one, which is the 12 volt rails. Some will actually tell you how many rails they have, and they might say that there's three rails, two rails, or one rail. And some may just label it in the specifications that 12 volts at 25 amps or, and then they'll have each rail labeled out like that. Now that could tell you, like one of them I saw had, they said three rails and they listed 12 volts at 25 amps on all three, but then it had a fourth 12 volt, but it was at 0.5 amps. And I was assuming that would be for a motherboard because typically your motherboard doesn't Well, part of the motherboard. There's one section on the motherboard that doesn't actually consume a lot of power.
1: Yeah, and when you're buying a power supply, one thing you want to keep an eye on is making sure your components aren't stacked too much on one rail. Because if if you're drawing too much current out of that rail, you can have all kinds of
0: power. Well, I think right now, the way they're setting up some of the rails is uh, if you have a video card connector. If it's only one video card connector, it's probably got its separate rail onto its own. The motherboard technically has more than one plus and minus, well, plus 12 volt connector, which means the motherboard probably will get its rail. Actually, it's probably for the processor. Um, It gets the rail. The motherboard itself will just get the standard point plus 12 volt at 5 amp or whatever, or 0.5 amps. Well, then sometimes they'll stick all the other hard drives, optical drives, us whatever else you're connecting in on the front that typically might have another rail yeah but one thing
1: you got to watch out for when you're putting something like this together if you have some of those older splitter power cables where you can plug it in and it on the far end you can hook it into two different outputs you got to be careful you're not tacking on too many things it's probably better to take uh to use the modular and have to run a longer cable than to try to jump it off of the end of the cable meant for the power or the motherboard or the video card.
0: Yeah, I've even seen some of these power supplies. They actually have six rails in them, but they also were set up to handle three video, three or four video cards all at one shot. So
1: overpower protection. You're more of an expert on this sort of thing than I am.
0: Hey, I didn't short up that much. Or overpower stuff too much. Essentially, um, power supplies are putting into them a uh, overpower protection, um, which quite simply means if you put too many devices on one rail, it will actually cut the uh, voltage instead of. Well, yeah, it'll basically stop the from killing the components in the power supply. It saves itself and basically just turns off the component or which might probably turn off that rail it varies on the components that are used on how the over yeah the overpower protection actually handles some actually do somewhat of a brownout mode but i doubt they do that in computers because that would kill your parts
1: now aren't there some of them that are probably cheaper but they're a little simpler where if they get start getting overpowered, they can they actually start cutting out all the rails basically shutting your computer down
0: well it depends on what's actually happening um now i think if they're smart if they put which i think a lot of them are starting to put in the smart chips if it notices a rail going over it might shut down the entire entire power supply until you turn it off turn it back on now what some of them well if they just rely on the built-in chip it'll actually act like a pulse-width modulation because it'll turn it off. Oh, wait, the power's now back down under the limit and turn it back on. And, yeah. Well, that's handy. Now, I know overpower protection
1: and short-circuit protection are different, but it seems like the results of that would be pretty close to the same
0: thing. How do... The, I mean, what's the difference between how they A uh, Short-circuit means essentially that it sees... A short between them well 12 volts in ground or 5 volts in ground uh, any of the voltage levels in ground and yeah it would look like a high load or well you know overpower but technically you know it basically notices that the voltage on the lines drop into ground because there's they have current sensors in there I would as well most components have current sensor- sensors sensors already in them now I mean it would basically look for a spike in the current is what I'm what a lot of them look for if there's a sudden spike in the current then something suddenly shorted out awesome so even more protection for your components well there's a little more to the short-circuit protection than what I'm saying but that's the easiest way to describe it is it notices an extreme ramp in the current and then it cuts off.
1: Gotcha. So the next big thing, the next big uh, feature that some of these power supplies have now is power factor correction. And a lot of things go into power factor correction but one thing to keep in mind is if you've got a stable power grid it's probably not gonna be as beneficial and a lot of manufacturers say consider it uh, an unnecessary feature for people in North America.
0: I agree and disagree at the same time. And the reason I disagree is power factor correction. When going out, cause, okay. First, we need to describe what the power factor correction. Well, what power factor means. Your wall outlet has the sine wave on it. Um, sixty hertz sine wave which is your AC you know 120 volts when you put on a big capacitive load it shifts the sine wave and then if you same as if you were putting an inductive load on on your wall outlets it shifts it and if you add enough of those components to a house it can shift your house's power factor off which actually will cause your meters on your house to read incorrectly and typically will cost you more money because it's not reading the exact what exactly you're using
1: now just for clarification this power factor correction on a power supply isn't going to fix your power meter it's just going to fix the power going into your computer
0: well true and I don't expect that most homes have a big power factor unless you're running these huge inductive motors or you know Factories have to put in basically a large capacitive bank for power factor correction because most factories have lots and lots of huge inductive motors that Will completely change theirs on a house. You don't have that much. The biggest thing you probably have is electric dryer if you've got one um, your furnace and probably your well, let's see what else would be a refrigerator That'd be probably about it. Maybe if you had a whole lot of really big speakers. Well, I doubt that change it too much for a computer. It isn't a big deal really for power factor correction. It's cool that they're putting this in, and I think they really should put it into more component well more household devices like your refrigerator, your furnace. but I don't see that happening anytime real soon.
1: That being said, if you are in a place where you gotta worry about power factor correction, there are two different types out there for, to look at. There's active and passive. Passive can o- only boost the efficiency from uh, up to about seventy percent or point seven and active can get it as high as point nine nine but that's assuming you have a worst case scenario where your uncorrected power factor is a point six.
0: If you're uncorrected Power factor's a 0.6. I'm curious on what the heck you're running in your house.
1: Hey, you could be in another country. Maybe they don't have a sine wave. Maybe it's a triangle wave. Well, true. Speaking
0: of being in another country. Well, I've started noticing with uh, a lot of these power supplies, they stopped putting on the 115 volt slash 220 volt switch on the back of them. And that's because they're starting to implement built-in switching. It uh, Power supply plugs in, you plug it in like you would anywhere, and it can tell whether it's on a 115 volt 60 hertz or t- 220 volt 50 hertz uh, setup. So you don't have to do anything, you just plug in the power supply anymore.
1: When you're looking at your power supply specs, a lot of them will refer to this as universal input, but bottom line means you can take it to another country that may have a different power grid and it should still work
0: now I know there's different web pages out there for different countries when you order your parts so the ones I was looking at were obviously geared for the US so I don't know most times in the US you're not gonna need this issue but if you are say in the military or for your job you might have to travel to other countries for long periods of time something like this might be something to make sure to have on your power supply because then you can just pick up your computer and go. Might have to pick up a new power cord. I guess that brings us to the weight, which I know most women say don't talk about my weight. Um, But this time we're talking about power supply so we can. One thing about
1: the weight of a power supply is slimmer isn't always better. When it comes to power a heftier transformer and bigger heat sinks help you save with efficiency.
0: Well, typically also, the heftier the power transformer will give you the higher power, so do not be shocked if you pick up an, a 1,000-watt a you know, power supply and the thing weighs 5 pounds to even 8 pounds. That being said, as the technology
1: improves, they're able to shrink the parts more and more, so the newer power supplies may wind up being
0: lighter than the older ones. Which is true, but I still wouldn't be shocked to pick up a hefty power supply if you're getting a high wattage one. I know the power supply I designed for my one project, I used a transformer that weighs two and a half pounds.
1: That's a nice little brick.
0: Yeah, it gets heavy to carry around after time.
1: So one final feature that some of the newer power supplies are touting is... uh dual printed circuit boards or double layer printed circuit boards and some of them actually have both and yeah, double layer just means they're able to put components on both sides of the board and that way they don't have them all they, they're able to spread the components out a little more they can use bigger sturdier components and it also helps them if they're spaced out more they can get more airflow across them to help keep them cool
0: i'm actually shocked that they haven't used a dual layer before because, I don't know, to me it makes sense to use both sides of the board when you are worried about heat on a device like this. Well, back in the day, dual
1: layer tended to be a lot more expensive because they w- didn't have the mass production capabilities that they did for single layer. Well, bottom line for the user is that it could it prolong the life of the power supply by having sturdier components, and it can also help with heat management
0: true when I was looking at some reviews some places were talking about the capacitors and even if you look at some of the parts you'll see that some of the uh, power supplies are going they're telling you like oh these are capacitors from Japan or this or that and the reason being is it was about a year or two years ago that a huge bad batch of capacitors got into power supplies and were causing power supplies to blow every once in a while.
1: I was wondering about that. I noticed there were several of them that said they used Japanese capacitors, but I and that improved quality, but I didn't understand. I never figured out why they said that improved quality.
0: Yeah, apparently from one of the major suppliers of capacitors, I don't know which country it came out of one country which is why the Japanese capacitors was important because all the ones that came from Japan didn't have the issue but the people that were using the capacitors from another country did have the issue and so a lot of the I think they said about eighty percent of the power supplies that had the capacitors from the other country basically blew up
1: ouch Their legal department must have had a ball with that one.
0: Well, it makes me wonder if that's what happened at uh, Purdue with all our old, well, one of the versions of devils we had that every time you turned around, we were having five power supplies go out in a week. Yeah, that would do it. Okay, I guess we're down to the last, well, one of the last topics. And what features yeah what features should you look for in a power supply now this is going to vary upon person to person and i rated a few of the ones i had and what you should look for first personally i think you should obviously well fe- figure out how much power all your devices are going to use main things you need to worry about is your power su- for your power supply is the obviously processor and the video card, those are going to be the two biggest hogs on the entire system. Motherboards aren't too bad. I saw them at 70 watts or less, typically. So, But that is something to think about. If you're going to put a bunch of hard drives in, You know, basically take your time, figure out roughly how much you're going to need um, in wattage before you go out and just buy one. Um, I also think connectors, obviously you're going to need to make sure you have enough connectors, so that's why I put it second, because um, if you don't have the right connectors, you obviously can't use the power supply. I then put the efficiency, I put it before price, because I, when you get the better efficient power supplies, it's going to actually save you in the electric bill, which it may cost you more money to buy right now, but it could save you, which if you're not a person paying the electric bill i guess you don't really care but if you do pay the electric bill this could be something that would really be important to you
1: well plus if it extends the life of the power supply it may cost more up front but if it lasts longer that's that much longer before you have to pay that much again
0: after i put the efficiency i put the price because obviously price is going to be a big factor on whether or not you buy something probably not everyone can uh fork out the $500 I found for one power supply but $10 for another I'm not sure I'd want that one but I'd have to well read the reviews first
1: and you know generally it's a case of you know you get what you pay for but in with power supplies there are some pretty decent cheap power supplies if you don't need all the fancy features and you don't Need a lot of high power demand in your computer. Don't you don't have to worry about spending the $500 on a power supply if there's a $50 one out there that meets your needs?
0: Honestly, I wouldn't recommend the $500 power supply. I can't see spending that much. I, yeah, I would barely pay that for my entire computer. Well, that's just because I don't have that much money, but. So something else to keep an eye on
1: when you're looking for power supplies is the number of rails. As we, as we mentioned before, you know, the, the number of rails and the amount of current they can supply can be a pretty big factor in what components and how many you're, you can fit into your computer.
0: Actually, I kind of want to talk a little more about the rails. What do you think about the power supplies that have one rail, but yet are rated for 83 amps on that one rail?
1: Well, I suppose in theory that works great, but, you know, with multiple rails, it's iso- your rails are isolated, so if you have a power issue on one of your components, it's not necessarily going to put your entire computer at risk.
0: See, I, I, to me, one rail is kind of a bad idea. I, I don't know why I think, well, I know why I think that's kind of what you said. If you have multiple rails, if one device fails, more than likely it's not going to kill everything else it should only affect what is also on that same rail with the way they're putting in the protection. But yeah, I I saw one that said 83 amps on one one rail, and I'm like, so your entire 1,000-watt supply is that one rail.
1: Yeah, which, you know, as long as your
0: components all behave themselves, then it should work fine. Which, if you're... Just buying a computer you know putting together a computer with all brand new components you shouldn't have any issues with a single rail supply but my personal preference would be for a multiple rail device or supply before you yeah it's not going to really cost you much more I from what I was seeing to get more than one rail inside your power supply
1: yep and in addition to the things you need to look for there's a couple buyer beware things out there too. For one thing, when you're looking at a new power supply, and you're looking at the power rating, make sure you're paying attention to whether it's talking about constant power supply or peak, because if it's only listing a peak power, you're not likely to get that wattage out all the time.
0: Well, yeah, I've seen some, they say they tested their uh, devices in basically a cooled environment. And a lot of times when you, you have to realize that when they test these, they typically are not sticking them inside of a case and loading them down. They have them sitting on a bench with a bunch of resistor load boxes that they will connect in and that's how they test the how much wattage or how, yeah, how big of a load they can really pull out of this before they kill it.
1: Now there are some of them out there that will that they were tested at higher temperatures and what you really want to look for is if you can find one that says it was tested somewhere around 120 degrees Fahrenheit, it should be good to go inside your body.
0: Now, this is true. I saw a couple, well, actually more than a couple, but I, I did see some that said they were basically inserted into a heat chamber. Of course, I also saw the same ones they tested even to even colder temperatures. I think they said they tested it at 30 degrees Fahrenheit, which I'm not sure how many times that would be an issue for you, but... I guess if you live in the Antarctic or you're going to buy a computer and take it there for research or whatever, it might be a concern.
1: Hey, you could have one heck of a water cooling system.
0: Yeah, but I doubt the power supply would be at that, you know, the power supply shouldn't, I I don't know, I can't see the power supply in a home getting to that temperature.
1: Alright, um, you have anything else on features or what to look
0: for or anything like that? I think we covered them Um, like I said my list for the top thing to look for or to look at is obviously the power after you figure out what you use and then the connectors to make sure it works with yours efficiency and then price but obviously price may be a bigger determining factor for you if uh, you're on a fixed budget like a lot of people are.
1: And if you know you don't want to sit there and do all the math yourself, there are several web pages out there that will have power supply calculators. Some of them get down pretty detailed as far as what type of components you're putting in and how, what kind of processors you're using, and how many hard drives and all of that. So uh, just use your search engine, and you should be able to find something that'll help you out for that kind of calculation.
0: Yeah, I even took a. Made a table up. I was curious on how much power I could put together with a decently high-end machine, and I took the Hex Core processor Intel just brought out. They said it was going to run about 160 watts. Um, I don't know if that's the exact or if I had to. I might have rounded it or just approximated from what I read. Um. Mm-hmm then also the graphics card I took the top end graphics card that just came out I wish I would have wrote down what it was it ran at 289 watts which is quite a bit for a power or for a video card and yeah 290 watts on a video card is quite a bit with adding up the motherboard processor graphics card that came to 520 watts which really isn't that much and you're still getting a pretty high end system now, that's not adding in hard drives and stuff, so you'd want a little more for the hard drives. But even still, the biggest power consumption devices only came to 520 watts. And as we
1: were talking about before, you know, pay attention to the specs on your power supply. Because if you're really going for efficiency and your power supply is rated at highest efficiency at 80%, then you wouldn't want to go out and buy a 520 watt power supply. You'd want to give yourself some extra padding in there.
0: Do you have any brands of power supplies that kind of stood out to you when you were looking at all this information?
1: I don't know. How much of that stuff can we get into without actually being, you know, marketing for a manufacturer?
0: It's just a personal preference. It's not a, uh, you should buy this. Just because I like something doesn't mean it's the best thing out there, and I'll say that, you know.
1: Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm a bit of a cheapskate, and so the only power supplies I've ever bought are the ones that come with the generic computer case. So, I tend to go with whatever's cheapest, more or less.
0: Well, I'm sure if you go looking at power supplies, you'll see Corsair, OCZ, um, Antec, Thermaltake. I did find interesting that OCZ, Corsair, were getting in, putting their names on the power supplies. Now, uh from what i read they're actually not making the power supplies or designing them they're just putting their names on it someone else designed them more than likely it's the same power supply as someone else and it may be cheaper with the somebody else name not saying they're bad power supplies, is just saying that is likely what's going on there
1: well and hey you know my results may not be typical but i've got a Seven-year-old computer setting upstairs that's using one of the generic bargain bin power supplies, and it's still running strong.
0: Yeah, I've been actually impressed with what I've got, which is actually Antec. Um, I haven't had any issues with it, but I also haven't delved too far out in testing power supplies of other companies. I mean, typically, like most people, I bought a power supply, and I was done. Be sure to read the reviews on power supplies before you buy them. Actually, any device. Because a lot of times you'll find out the little, some little things about the said device before you buy it. Now, I normally li- read the reviews. There will be sometimes some negative ones. Yes, those can give you a lot of more information. But also, remember, some people are very not computer literate and they attempt to build their first computer, so sometimes you will get a person that accidentally did something that they shouldn't have and killed it, which gives a bad... they review it poorly then. Yep.
1: All right, so is there an email address or anything on the webpage that folks can use to send questions
0: to? Wow, it's a good thing you asked. Uh, yes, I set up an email alias for um, the site, it's just question yeah simple word question at computersbiteback.com and that will actually send an email to both Malcor and I so we can either one of us can respond we will be taking questions if you have any feel free to send them in and we will try to if we'll try to respond to them as quickly as we can we will if we're going to put it into a podcast like it's one of the upcoming topics we will likely hold on to that question and respond to it in that podcast, so that way you can hear it there versus me telling you and then you hearing it again later. I uh, rather not, you know, duplicate some of the information. We'll probably answer a lot of the questions at first in the podcast at the end of the episode. So if you want to stick around, we'll answer questions unfortunately since we're just starting up we have no questions yet so be sure to check us out on the web at computersbyteback.com
1: that's byte spelled b-y-t-e and we also have a facebook group if you want to be a
0: fan i've been using it to uh, send out updates when uh things have been happening like we're recording right now i've kind of tossed that out there on the facebook I also put up when the iTunes feed went live. I also linked in the iTunes feed in the face, you know, and the web page on the Facebook page, so that way, people that become fans have some of the links right there. All right. Well. Also, if you go to the page, we have I have set it up where the podcast feed is on the right hand side for you. It will show you the title of the episode and you can click on it if you want to use some if you're using one of the different RSS feeds to uh, get your podcast the podcast feed link is there right above it uh, right above the pod uh, the episode title also there's going to be well there is a way to download it straight from the uh, posts when I post up the top the podcast notes it'll have a stream ability so you can just stream the episode from the site since you probably don't want to sit there and listen to, I don't know, us banter back and forth for 30 minutes to an hour you know, I can understand just downloading it, listening to it later so we got the downlink right below the stream Alright, anything else? I don't think so Well, this is Malcor and this is Greebug and you've been listening to Computers Bite Back.